Welcome to Detroit Tigers Minor League Tracker Podcast. I'm Keenan Carter, joined as always by my buddy, Robert James. Robert, Hello. what's up, my man? So, spring training's been underway for a little bit while. We haven't recorded, and you're always like, hey, man, let's record, let's record. And I'm like, when we have something to talk about, we'll record a podcast. And last night I was laying around, I'm like, man, a lot, there are a lot of really interesting storylines um, that have surfaced this spring training. I, I mean, you have to be... Um, a nutcase Tigers fan to find them interesting storylines, I guess, but they're interesting nonetheless. And so I said, let's hop on a podcast because we got to, we got to get through some of this. Uh, you know, we are a minor league focused podcast and we could really go off on a ton of tangents if I wanted to build this agenda out as, uh, deeply as I wanted to. You know, we could talk about Matt Boyd, we could talk about Miggy, we could talk about Nico, all the bona fide major leaguers. So just to mm-hmm. keep it manageable, I've kind of put together an agenda that's a little more based on some of the up-and-coming guys, some of the guys battling for positions and stuff like that. So, Right. First and foremost, man, what about Riley Green? No, that's yeah. That's, that's yeah. the question. Yeah. No, he, he's been fantastic, and... I, um, you know, we had talked about it last year when he made it up to West Michigan. He really struggled after doing, you know, extremely well in the GCL and in short season ball in Connecticut. And he had kind of this, like, weird leaning thing he was doing where he would just kind of be almost like he was bailing, but his his uh, his feet would stay grounded. It's not like he was taking a step back or something. It was just really this funky thing kind of hindered him. And, um, you know, it wasn't, like, a long-term concern because, you know, they just came right out of high school. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't really seem like, like a hitch in a swing or, or some, like, real mechanical problem like that. You know, and, um, they haven't even gotten pro instruction after the draft. So it wasn't a concern, but it was just kind of like, uh, you know, let's see what happens. And that's gone. He's just been crushing the ball. He's been working counts. Um I obviously don't think he's going to start the season uh, with the Tigers, but, you know, he's been everything that was advertised. It's just really great to see. He, he's just such a pure hitter. You know, he's he's a yeah. pure hitter. It's Yeah, it's obvious. And I was just watching uh, Chris Brown from Tigers Minor League Report, his interview that he did with Riley in West Michigan last summer, and he, he point blank asked him, have the Tigers tried to mess with your or tried to tweak or instruct you on your swing at all? And he said, absolutely, no, they have not as of last summer. So they were just kind of letting him do his thing. He clearly has an advanced approach, which, I mean, you know, he's facing much older pitchers even here in spring training, but he doesn't seem overwhelmed. He he spits on junk, waits for something to drive. His swing is uh, oriented towards launch angle. He has tremendous bat speed. I'm in love with Riley Green. Um, And perhaps the best thing is that the Tigers keep calling him, calling him over every single day. As long as he has a little bit yeah. of success every day, I think they're going to keep doing that. Some of that was like Chris Illich was in town for a couple of days. He was there again today, so they called Riley over. But it's like, hey, as long as he's having success, let him get that exposure as much as you possibly can. I don't think there's a better uh, developmental uh, thing that you can do in spring training for a guy like that than to let him have success again in, in Major League Baseball spring training games. So, So that leads us to our first Twitter question. Uh, okay. My friends over at Bless You Boys, I, I assume that's Rob, 
Rob Rajacki running that account. It could be Brandon at times or Ashley. I'm not sure, but he says, where does Riley bat in the opening day lineup? Okay. So, so he's being a wise ass, obviously. And, 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 and sort of a similar question for my buddy, Tom Lacombe, who has a few questions on here. He says, if Riley continues to hit, is there any chance he ends up above West Michigan to start? So I think heading into, you know, entering spring training, the consensus, um, most of us in the Tigers minor league community is that Riley's headed to West Michigan. Now he has hits a couple home runs, draws a bunch of walks. He's uh, taking over the Twitter sphere and people are starting to talk about all the way up to double a and probably people even less in the know are probably thinking like, why don't we just call this kid up? Dan Dickerson actually said on the broadcast a few a few games ago, it would not be far fetched to see him end the season in Erie. So, with all of that said, Robert, mm-hmm. where's Riley Green starting off 2020? In West Michigan. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's a question. I, I don't understand why you would move him to high A to start with when he is A, he's what, 19 right now? Correct. And also, like, that's a terrible terrible hitters league you know it's a pit the florida state league where the tigers high affiliate is they play in big league ballparks which i guess hasn't really been a problem for him in spring training but uh the the pitching is so much more advanced i i just i'm not sure what you would gain by starting him there um why not just let him start in an age appropriate league and then they can call him up as quickly as they want you know what i mean i I understand the excitement on some level, but, um, and again, you know, we watch prospect stuff, but, and people always ask questions, um, you know, about when guys are coming up. I know Emily Walden, right? She tweets about it all the time. She's always getting stuff like that. And, and we can't answer, or at least I can't answer that stuff as well, because I watch prospects. I don't like, I'm not in the Tigers front office. I don't know why they make personnel decisions. All I can base it off of is what I notice paying close attention to it they move guys pretty slowly so you know maybe if this was Dombrowski during the Dombrowski era where he kind of really had a sink or swim mentality it would be more likely but Mm -hmm. I don't think I don't think that they're going to do it I don't think that and I don't think they're going to do it because that's not how they operate and I don't think there's really any benefit to doing that just let him go to West Michigan and then if he does great they can call him up and I I think it's reasonable uh to think he could be in double a by the end of the year yeah, that's crazy. That's like everything goes brilliantly. Right. I mean, that's that's like a perfect scenario. But yeah, I guess, I mean, when Dan Dickerson said it on the radio, I was kind of taken aback a little bit. The more I think about it, yeah, he could he could spend the last two weeks of the season in Erie, get a little taste and and, and prepare him for, for next year. And uh, yeah, and I, and I think it's it's really risky, would be really risky to shoot him off to the Florida State League. Because yeah. if you want to deflate a kid's confidence – immediately send him to that league like that league yeah. is a nightmare to hit in let him my my ideal scenario for him is to go play in the midwest league all-star game because <laughs> i presumably i think he'll be there because a lot of those all-star games down the lower levels they, they'll just have the top prospects there no matter what even if he's hitting 240 mm-hmm. um so let him let him go down there and do what he's going to do in low a play in the midwest league all-star game whatever let him have that experience 
hopefully playing next to Parker Meadows. Hopefully they don't get stupid aggressive with him and shoot him off to the Florida State League before he's mastered the Midwest League either. And then we'll send him to Lakeland uh, sometime in the summer. He'll go through the dog days of summer. He'll probably struggle a little bit, but that that's my ideal situation for Riley. All right, let's move on. Okay. Let's talk about the third base battle because – uh, it, look, it's really early. We're talking about like 13 plate appearances so far, right? But neither Jamer nor Lugo seems to want this particular job. Yeah. Um, so our buddy Tom Lacombe asks if Jamer and Lugo continue to struggle, what happens at third base? Yeah. So our, our good friend, uh, Jay, Mar- Jay Markle, who does stuff for, I think, Motor City Bengals now, he actually did a long thread. Um, about this the other day, I think he, his his Twitter on Twitter his handle is a uh, at uh, j a y m a r k l e and then I think underscore m c b I think that's his handle so you can check that out. He talked a little bit about it. Uh, he went through some of the options. Um, I'm not going to you know go through everything he said point by point. Um, I think Mercer is going to get that spot to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I think it's Mercer. They're not going to sign anyone, certainly. Um, they're not yeah. going to trade for someone. I see stuff about Willie Castro, but, like, Willie nope. Castro's not a good – like, the whole – the Will, it's like last year they talked about moving Willie Castro to a second. But what's – the problem with that is that the whole point of Willie Castro's – like, the whole reason he's a prospect is the idea is that he was going to be a very good defensive shortstop. That was – what was holding his profile together. So if he doesn't, and he was going to be a light bat unless he made huge changes to his swing and approach, which he hasn't done any of those things. So like, if he's not a good defensive player, shortstop, he's not worth playing, let alone at third base where you need even more offense. I think it's Mercer. I think that's why they obviously like Mercer. Um, You know, it's the whole pirates connection. Um, you know, Neil Huntington's probably about to join the front office any day now since he just got shit canned. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see any other. I I don't I don't see any other person who could fill in. Who was the other suggested? Panero? Was that well? Well, no. Well, you know, he, here's my dream scenario. My dream scenario is that Jamer hits the baseball over the next yeah. three weeks and wins the job, right? But what we're seeing out of Jamer so far is a lot of what we saw last year. He's continuing to get exposed. He's just not hes not hitting the ball with any authority. He's fouling off a lot of pitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just not the Jamer that we fell in love with a couple years ago. My Don't next... you give him the spot to start off the year anyway, though? I mean, do you Probably. let him play him out of it in spring training? To me, that seems... I mean, yeah. I would at least give him the first month. Yeah, right. no, that, that that may very well happen. My my next dream scenario, obviously, would be that Isaac Paredes wins the job. But Isaac Paredes hasn't played in a game yet because he's dealing oh, yeah. with a sore arm. So he's behind the eight ball. So Isaac's not going to start with the big club. Probably, I mean, he that's a very long shot anyway. I'm just talking about my dream scenario, not what will the Tigers do, of course. Mm. Okay? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think Jordy Mercer is, is next in line. I mean... He'll probably win that job if they decide we don't want to take either Lugo or Jamer North. Um, however, Jay Markle, who aforementioned Jay Markle, uh, commented on this uh, when we were asking for questions, and he says, does Pinero have a shot at a Harold Castro-esque path to the majors? 
and then parentheses, hung around and performed enough to get a shot on a crappy team. And Panero's been playing some third base here this spring. He's got two home runs already. The Tigers seem to love Danny Panero, mm. uh, and I can prove it. Uh, one, they've drafted him twice. Right. right. Uh, so Danny Panero's interesting. He's been drafted three times, actually. He was a, he was a 20th round pick out of high school by the Astros in 2013. Mm-hmm. And then the Tigers, he must have been a draft eligible sophomore yep. at the University of Virginia. They took him 36 round, 2015. He, he went back to school and be, what's good for him, he became a ninth rounder in 2016. So the Tigers drafted him twice. Gave him $169,000, nice little signing bonus, nice way to start off your adult life. And last year, they sent him off to the Arizona Fall League. Um, Danny Panero is one of those guys that I forget he's in the organization sometimes. Um, but he he's not your prototypical third baseman mm-hmm. in that there's not really a, made, a, a big power profile there. But he draws a ton of walks. Like, he has, like, a 12, 12% career walk rate. That goes all the way back to his time in college. He's always drawn a ton of walks. And the Tigers seem to love it. Mm-hmm. Does Danny Panero make a major league debut in 2020? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, uh, I don't either, but I, th- I think it's just worth observing how the Tigers have handled him and how they seem to really like him to, mm-hmm. to throw him, throw his name into consideration as a possibility there. That's all. Right, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's Mercer. I don't think he'll he'll hit well enough. But then again, Lugo, you know, they are, seem to like Lugo, um, so, which continually baffles me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's like this whole thing, like, you know, do I think Panero should play, should be, be in the conversation? No. But Harold Castro was, like, starting, and Chris McCloskey probably voted him for MVP. So, like, I mean, they fill the roster with guys who I, w- I would not, if I was, uh, you know, in the front office of Major League Baseball team, give any kind of reps to at all. So, so I don't think so, but I guess you can never put it past them. Do I think this is a legit long – do I think he's a legit option? Even as a backup going forward on a good team, no, I don't. <laughs> so, I mean, for his sake, I hope he gets called up and makes some dough, you know. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't right. think I don't think it's something as like a fan to like keep an eye on. You know what I mean? Um, okay. I mean, you can, but <laughs> you there's I other things to keep an eye on. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I wouldn't spend the time personally. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um. The next agenda item I had, and ironically, um, became a little bit of a headline today, and that's Jake Rogers. I, I just wanted to talk about Jake a little bit because we haven't seen him yet this spring. He's been dealing with a little back issue. Terry saw him on the backfields taking a little batting practice today. I thought that was a good sign. And next thing you know, he steps in the batter's box, his first at-bat, hits a jack, and um, Jake has just kind of epitomized the grind uh, that minor leaguers and prospects go through in general over the last year, like struggles, has some success, gets promoted, struggles, gets injured a little bit, makes it to the major leagues. He's a disaster <laughs> defensively, which is supposed to be his calling card. So it's just a really good example of what life in the minor leagues is like, or life, you know, for a guy trying to become a, an everyday major leaguer is like. And uh, today he stepped in and the leg kick is completely gone. It's not even abbreviated, like it's gone. 
If people wow. are like, oh, I don't know if he's going to be able to generate enough power without the leg kick, boom, gone. He's strong enough. Yeah, no, um, he's got power. I think it was like a timing thing and like a comfort thing, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, he's got plenty of plenty of raw power, plenty of game power. Just gotta put the bat on the ball, young man. And uh, it's no, but it's good to see him playing baseball again. We don't have to talk about Jake too much. I just wanted to make note of it. And then uh, you talked about Willie Castro a little bit. Uh, I don't know if Willie played today. The game was on the radio. I was kind of I'm packing. I'm leaving for late. I'm leaving for Florida tomorrow. Going to some spring training, so I was packing and kind of listening to the game a little bit. I was only really paying attention when Scooble was pitching, so I don't know if Willie got in the game today, but Willie was out to a 5-for-14 start to the spring uh, with five strikeouts. So that puts his BAPIP, his small sample size BAPIP, at 555. Yeah. Um, and he was getting rave reviews from Ron Gardenhire last week, uh, for whatever that's worth, for oh. significant improvements in his defensive mechanics. Um, and so Gardenhire was kind of like disgusted with him defensively last year, the way he was saying it. He was like, there is no way this kid can play shortstop in the big leagues. And he and Ramon Santiago have uh, apparently been working really hard on some of those things. And uh, Gardenhire is impressed enough where he mentioned it to the media and, and believes that, that Willie can, can play shortstop in the big leagues. So, um, what do you what, what are you seeing out of Willie? Have you have you watched him at all this spring? No, I haven't. No, no? I, I have I haven't seen his defense at least. I've seen a couple of at bats. Um, I'm really out on him. I mean, I'll uh, watch him again when the year starts. But like I said, his whole like when he came over from Cleveland, he was an interesting prospect because he had uh he was supposed to be an above average defender, and then the whole was that he would change up his swing, start hitting it in the air more, and, um, you know, try to draw some more walks. Um, he hasn't done any of those things. He's been a well-below-average defender. He doesn't hit the ball in the air. He hits it almost exclusively on the ground, and he doesn't draw walks. So I I, I don't think there's really any anything there. Um now, the defense is a weird thing because when I would watch him, his, like, defensive tools were fine. It looked like his range was fine. His arm is strong. Um, he would just make a lot of errors. I don't know if he just has bad hands or what, but he would just throw it away or uh, just botch routine plays. It was kind of a weird thing. It was actually similar to Wenzel Perez in the minors where he looks like he should be fine at shortstop and he just made a ton of errors. So maybe that's something that's fixable. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen him play defense enough in the spring. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, it was a backup profile to begin with, like a really low-end regular. Um, but I don't, you know, I, I don't think he, it's it's going to be anything. I mean, it can change, obviously, and I'll watch him. He'll probably start the year in AAA again. Um, yep. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'm out on Willie right now. Yeah, and, and sliding him over to third, if you know, if to... No. I it's think not an option. Think, it's just not an I option. Mean, if they want to get him as a utility guy, get him reps across the diamond. Correct. Then that that's great because that's where, you know, he would ideally end up as a utility guy. But in terms of him being the everyday third baseman, I think that's like Harold Castro is the everyday second baseman where at that point you're looking at someone who's going to mm-hmm. have a negative war. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was going to talk about outfielders for a little bit for the sake of time. I'm going to fast forward straight to the to the bullpen because 
you start listing out all the people who are competing for bullpen jobs, there are a ton of arms. And some have been really good. Some have been just okay. And uh, some of them, we saw Zach Godley today. Uh, we saw Kyle Funkhauser yesterday. We saw Alex Wilson give up an absolute tater to Tim yeah, Tebow. He's washed. Um, so I, I was not impressed with Vladimir Pinto when I watched him yesterday or the day before. He had no fastball command whatsoever, and mm-hmm. uh, he has no confidence in his curveball. The curveball's got a ton of bite on it, but uh, he's got no confidence in it. Can't really throw it for a strike. Fastball's a dart, but it, it doesn't have a ton of life to it right now, at least. Um, that that could change, but so not not high on Pinto. I haven't seen Soto throw, but I, it it seemed like he he struggled a little bit. Some guys that are off to pretty good starts this spring, Sandy Baez, uh, David McKay, her son Moreno. Um, I mean, he only threw one inning, but he was pumping like, I think, 96 to 98, struck out the side. Yeah, Uh, I like him. That's crazy. He's kind of like the quintessential Tigers, hard-throwing. You know, he has like a straight fastball that's 98 to 100. I mean, they've had a million of these guys, right? They had Rondon and... Uh, Valdez, Jose Valdez, I think was his name, who got a cup of coffee a few years ago before being released and went to the Angels. Jimenez is kind of like this. Uh, Vladimir Pinto is kind of the newest one. Um, Tigers just churn out guys like this, and none of them ever work out. But I like Hassan Moreno. He actually had TJ at the very end of the 2018 season and was cut, and then they re-signed him immediately. Um, he's got a slider. I think he actually has a change up as well. You know, he would kind of go back and forth between what, which one he would throw. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, he's so, he's definitely interesting. I don't think Godley is anything. Godley is this guy, is one of these guys. It's like the classic Avila signing where he signs this guy who had like a two war season at some point in the recent past. And then immediately it's, well, well, if they can just play like they did however many years ago. And they just fill in whatever, you know, if they had an injury before. Well, if he can just come back injury and regain his form, then, uh, you know, he'll be great. And it's a no-risk signing. Um, and the thing is, I, I won't go on and on about it, but it is a risk, right? When you when you fill your roster with these guys, there's an opportunity cost. You're losing that you could give it to someone with a better chance to succeed. Not everyone has the same chance to succeed. Jordy Mercer doesn't have the same chance to succeed as Jonathan VR, right? So you have to kind of weigh that in. It's not just, well, who had a good who had a good season a few years ago. Just the fact that they had a good season in the past doesn't make them a good bounce back candidate. Right. Because someone who actually had a few good two good seasons with Diamondbacks, he's completely lost the ability to find the strike. Uh so he was someone who would strike out a ton of guys, he'd walk a ton of guys. Uh last year he couldn't miss bats at all. I think his strikeout rate was 6.85 per nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, I saw him a couple, so I watched the NL West, you know, because they're on after the Tigers, and the D-backs are one of the teams I watch, and he was just a mess. So I, he's been getting shelled this spring. He might not even make the roster, but I just don't think that he is, I don't think he's a guy. I, he's not, I certainly wouldn't use him as a spot starter. I think that he's straight. Uh, well, he's he's a non-roster. Really he's a right. non-roster invite, so I, I, he's probably. I think he's going to be the first one cut actually yeah. after after today. He just can't throw it over the plate. He's a curveball pitcher, so they just spit on the curveball, and then you can't throw the fastball for a strike. Okay, 
that's tough. That's tough to live with that arsenal. Um, yeah. But uh, Brian Garcia off to a good start. Joe, uh, Joe's off to a decent start. But you look at all these other guys battling for jobs. Hector Santiago, Tyler Alexander. Yeah. Um, Cisneros presumed to have a job. Farmers presumed oh, Farmers got a job. And uh, Ronnie Garcia probably got a job. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ronnie Garcia probably, since he's the Rule 5 guy. I don't think Cisnero is presumed to have a job, though. I mean, there's now it's so crazy. We talk about this all the time on the podcast, so I won't go over this again. But it's so crazy now how how many dudes throw 98, you know, and have whatever, a passable breaking ball, right, passable slider. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cisnero, he was not even in baseball. He was in the Mexican League, and they just plucked him out of nowhere. He was out of baseball for, like, three years. (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about all these guys who have stuff like that, like Baez, who the team's cut, re-signed off and on, Uh, Moreno and Pinto and Anthony Castro, our favorite, who's been getting absolutely shelled. Um, So, like, I don't think – I know Cisnero had a few good games, so, of course, since we all have the memory of Goldfish now, and if we see someone get an out once, that means they're good in our brains if we saw it, but – I I don't think he's guaranteed a job. Probably McKay is, um, since he has okay. that good breaking ball. But uh, but okay. yeah, it'll 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 be bad. I mean, the bullpen will be bad. But well, you know, <laughs> the the good thing is there there's there's a ton of guys right now. It's it's just interesting yeah. to watch. I don't know if any of them are going to be any good. The fact that there's a, a ton of them uh, makes me feel better that maybe you can find one or two. There's also John Schreiber, Nick Ramirez out there. Um, who else? Who'd we forget? Oh, my, so my, my preseason. Yeah, well, well, yeah, then you got kind of the gimmicky stuff, right? I, I hate to call it that because he's a, he's a professional pitcher and he's, mm-hmm. he, he, he gets people out. Um, and then, you know, it's like the Ethan DeCaster kind of stuff. Um, but just a lot of guys. And, yeah. um, my, my preseason prediction of Funkhauser breaking camp with the clubs not looking good. Um, you know, I, I watched it this morning to prepare. I watched him, and, uh, man, it's, you know, Funkhauser had just a nightmare season last year, but he really had bad luck, too. <laughs> I mean, he didn't pitch well. He did not look good, but it just seemed like he would just have the worst luck. Guys would hit it through the shift. I mean, and I think at one point his brother on Twitter, someone was just, someone commented, like, Funkhauser sucks, right? And then his brother, you know, got got mad and started being like, well, they play bad defense. And, da, 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 da. and his brother was actually kind of right. Like, <laughs> just the ball would always just get hit through the shift. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he would just miss off the outside corner for a walk and stuff like that. And then I watched his uh, terrible inning the other day, and it's like he gets – he gave up a hard hit ball. It's a routine fly ball, though. Reyes just – didn't see it. I don't know. It just drops in front of Reyes, who lost it in the sun. Then someone hits a bloop through the shift, and then he eventually gave up a long, you know, a, a home run to uh, Labor Torres. So, I mean, his slider looked good, but he just can't, you know, we say he would nibble too much, but I think he just, his command is just so bad now. He just can't, I don't know if it's just he doesn't trust it, you know, or what, but his, he just couldn't locate the fastball at all. I think if he could locate the fastball, if he just threw it over the plate a little bit more, he'd have more success, but he just falls behind so much that I, I'm i starting to think that he's not going to break camp and might not be long for the org. Well, 
And the only thing I will kind of disagree with you on here is when you're a nibbler, it's not bad luck. Like you just can't be a nibbler. Right. His problem. But is he nibbling or is he just not commanding? Because it looked like he just potato 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 potato. Like he, if you just miss all the time, that's right. But this was more than just missing the other day. Some of it was that, but a lot of it he was not close. So yeah, I'm starting well, to wonder it, it, if he's been nibbling or if his command is just so bad. Yeah, I I think it's I think it's poor command, but ultimately what it leads to is trying to make perfect pitch all the time. I think Bo Burrows does a lot of this, um, and they find themselves in two o two one three one counts every at bat, and I, you know that's all I talk about with Funkhauser's is pitches yeah. because it's just so it's so glaringly obvious to me that. Every time I watch him pitch, if he gets through five innings, he, he's at five innings, 96 pitches. And uh, five innings, 103 pitches. Like, you, you can't be a starter if, if that's – if you need 20 pitches to, per inning. Well, every no, but he's going to move to the pen now. So Right, right. And so that's why I was like, all right, we're going to simplify his assortment. We're going to let him go out and cut loose for one or two innings, even though they said they were going to keep him stretched out so he could spot start. And mm-hmm. I thought maybe, like, this is his lifeline. Like, this is what we've all been kind of saying about him for years. Now they're actually doing it. And I was kind of betting against myself and all my observations of Funkhauser. Now, it's still March 2nd, right? And he's only throwing 91, which he's that either generally means there's – some some pain there, or he's just not stretched out yet. But it doesn't look good for Funkhauser so far, which leads let's, us. Go ahead. Let's talk about Burroughs. Then which Brett leads has us to Bo Burroughs. Yeah, which leads us to Bo Burroughs. Brett Yoder, he asks, is it wrong of me to want to see Burroughs as a starter idea fail in Detroit before he's converted? Yes, yes, it's wrong of you. No, I no, I was I was going to say no. I wanted to bring up. So you just listed Funk's uh, velocity on March second, right? So we were arguing the other day over Twitter because Burroughs came out and pitched and we don't have to relitigate it. Um, <laughs> but when Burroughs was relieving and I had noted his velocity because it was around 90 and you pointed out that velocity doesn't matter early in camp. And I, agree, I agree with that, but the caveat to that, and I felt why it was important for Burroughs is because, and this will tie into my answer to Brett's question is that Burroughs had an injury last year. He came back. Uh, for most of the second half, his velocity was way down. So, you know, like, and then it was, you know, basically topping out at 92. When Remember the Futures game a few years ago, he came in for an inning and was popping 90, 98. He was 96 to 98, right? So um, when he started camp, even though it is the very beginning of spring training, when he was still around 90, 91, to me, that's more relevant than just like, oh, Matt Manning is at 93, right? Because, you know, if you're just a couple ticks down, well, hey, it's spring training. You just start throwing. When you're coming back from injury and your velocity was way down and it's not just like a couple, it's like five miles per hour slower, I think that's worth noting at least, right? Um, and that's the issue with Burroughs is that he looked about the same as he did when he, well, I guess from reports is when he ended the year and I don't know if he's still getting better and if he will still heal, but his stuff by the end of the year was like just done. I mean, he had just a bad year in general and you can't write anyone off. He's probably only what 20, he'll probably be 24 in September, I believe. 
Um, but man, he, he can't live at 90 to 92 miles an hour. He just, he just can't. And his stuff was really flat. And so I think that's normally, I would say, yeah, you want to give everyone a shot to start, right? Especially someone who's still 23. But I think he's, I don't know. I have grave concerns that he's not healthy and that if this is who he is, it's not worth starting him, you know, even as a spot start, throw Alexander in there. You know? What's it? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't see Bo Burrows as a starter um, in the major leagues. I, I, I'd love to. I, I like him. I like his pitch ability better than Funkhauser's, but at the end of the day, yeah. it's it's kind of really similar to me. It, you know, Burroughs is curveball, Funkhauser's a slider, but it, I, it's just it's just just some, something kind of missing. There's there's one piece missing, and um, and now yeah, I, I don't know if he's hurt or not. I, I'm assuming he is. Yeah, uh, I think he is. I hope this isn't who he is from now on, because that's it. Then he's like, I don't think he's going to have any kind of MLB career. Right, right. So that's not good. Um, and a couple more questions about pitchers. We can move on from Burroughs here. Yeah, uh, but so to answer Brett's question, I don't think he's crazy. I hear where he's coming from. But, I mean, right now – I don't think Burroughs is even a relief pitcher if this is who he is, unless, you know, the velocity comes back in a big way. So, Yeah, it, I, I don't know. It, it may, depending on what's wrong with him right now, you, the next time you see him pitch, he might already be converted to a reliever. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We'll see. Okay, let's go on to the starters. Everyone is very excited about Scooble and the gang. Well, um before we get to that, let's talk about everyone's favorite topic, Jordan Zimmerman. What's even the question? The question is from Tom. It's his, it's his third and final question. Is Jay Zim still a major league, a uh, major league caliber player? No. <laughs> yeah. And I was kind of talking to my buddies the other day about this. I'm like, why, why have we not just negotiated any type of buyout with him? They're not going to do that. And, uh, but why? Right? Is there a business reason or a baseball reason to keep him around? Um, and, and Mark Garash really gave me the best answer. And it's like, that, that I could find or think of. If he lands on the, if, if he lands on the injured list for any extended period of time, we recoup Mm. insurance funds for that. Um, but yeah. so my point, it's like, why don't you just give him twenty one of the twenty four million he's owed and say, have a nice, have a nice summer. You don't even have to show up. Here's twenty one million. Yeah, uh, we can reallocate these innings to somebody else because he's not adding any value. Maybe he's a wonderful clubhouse guy who's teaching the young guys all about the art of pitching. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't know. Getting shelled and keeping yeah. it cool. So if anybody has any explanations better than that as to why a team wouldn't negotiate a buyout on a bad contract like that when he's probably going to throw up a six ERA again. Um, and we're, we're setting the over under at 15 starts. Um, what's the point? Yeah, no, I, I think if for nothing else, PR reasons, I don't think they're going to do that. You know, right. I mean, we'll see what happens with the young starters. 
Um, but let's talk about the young guys. Let's talk about Manning and Mines and Scooble. And Scooble's well, been pitching fantastic. Well, hold on a minute. Okay. Do you have the agenda? No. Stick to the agenda. Okay. <laughs> we got to so talk about a, a demerit question. We have to get to. No, but demerit hits two bombs today. How about that? Tigers. Yeah. Feisty tigers. Uh, scratch and claw their way for six runs to earn an 11-11 tie. Um, Bengal BJ asked us, what's the future hold for Turnbull? That's your dude. So yeah, what's yeah. I think he's Turnbull? Fixed. So Gorish yells at me every time I say this. Um, but I, you know, because he thinks Turnbull's a reliever, I think he's going to stick in the rotation. I mean, I can see him being moved to the pen. I understand why people say that. Uh, it makes sense. Um, but... You know, he struggled in the second half last year. He didn't pitch as well. Um, and he's had health issues. To me, that's the biggest thing, is that he just kind of hasn't been able to put together 150 good innings. I think he fell just short last year. Mm-hmm. But if he's healthy, I think he sticks in the rotation. Uh, he's an extreme ground ball pitcher. The defense absolutely murdered him last year. Uh, he did give up much harder contact in the second half, but his FIP is pretty similar. Um I think he pitched worse, certainly, but I don't think that it was a case where he fell apart and he's unsalvageable and they should move on to the pen. It's kind of like with Fulmer for me, where his stuff is so good, it feels like a waste to just put him in the bullpen and have him pitch one inning. Um, yeah. I know, theoretically, we, we imagine them coming in for, like, as this multi-inning fireman role, but to be realistic... Garden Hire does not manage that way. <laughs> you know, Garden Hire assigns guys innings at the beginning in February right now. Garden Hire is going to map out what innings he wants every relief pitcher to pitch. And, you know, if Buck Farmer is the best relief pitcher we have who's not the closer, and then he's going to be scheduled for the eighth inning. And if there's two outs and the Tigers are up by one in the bottom of the seventh and the bases are loaded, He's going to bring in Zach Godley before he brings in Buck Farmer because Farmer pitches the eighth. That's just how Garden Hire manages. So realistically, it would only be a one inning. So I think it, I think his stuff is really good. I think he he's always had stuff. He's always had this issue with kind of like keeping his cool on the mound. Um, a couple of years in the Arizona Fall League, you could re- when he was there, you could really see it where the defense would make a bad play and he would just deflate, and he had a really hard time kind of kill you know kind of regrouping and keeping his composure and then ending the, ending the rally. And you can see that with his numbers, like in the second half where he just couldn't, his strand rate was terrible, um, all that stuff, right? With runners on, it, everything kept snowballing. But I think a fair amount was the defense being terrible. Now, the defense is probably going to be terrible again, so I guess I have no point here. But I think he, <laughs> I mean, he was what? Like, he was worth two, like 2.9 F4. Worse than, uh, baseball reference had him worse than that. I think he was around 2.3. Um, but I think he's going to have another good season, and I think he'll be the second-best starting pitcher again. So how about you? Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, you know, and I think I was – I think it was Garage that said this when I was I was scrolling Twitter the other day, and I think he made reference to – Something to the effect of there's a shrewd front office out there somewhere, because Mark loves to say the word shrewd, uh-huh. who who is evaluating Spencer Turnbull and kind of, and I'm paraphrasing this, this is my interpretation of what he said, is sort of 
licking their chops to get their hands on him for the sole purpose of converting him to relief. I can see that. Um, I, and I can see what you're saying. I think, I think what we're, so let me ask you this real quick. If, if he does stick as a starter, is he a three for you? A three or a four? Yeah, like a four. Alright. So, what we're gonna get into next here, it was a really interesting question from Zane Harding over at Bless You Boys where he was asking us about, you know, where does each pitching prospect stick in Detroit over their six years of team control, rotation, bullpen, or neither? Now, mm-hmm. we know all seven of these guys I've listed, plus Turnbull, plus Fulmer, plus Boyd, plus Norris, aren't going to still be with Detroit for their six years of player control. Mm-hmm. But... When you look at Mize, Manning, Scooble, Fiedo, Perez, Wentz, and I'll throw Burroughs in there too, how many starters do you have there? <laughs> I don't know. You know, so right? the interesting thing is I I have been pretty steadfast, at least in my head, that Scooble would probably be moved to the pen uh, just because of his injury history because he doesn't really have any great secondaries. Um I actually have not been able to really see him outside of clips. You know, people posted clips on Twitter um, during his first start because I don't think that that game was televised. Uh, he's been pitching well, and maybe he will adjust I um, and take the next step forward. I keep thinking that uh, MLB hitters will fare better against this fastball because he just – I mean, not only hitters just – I mean, you saw he would throw not even good – breaking balls up there, but guys were just so geared up for the heat that they just put these terrible swings on his slider and his curve that, you know, they wouldn't even be great pitches. He'd throw spinners up there, and guys would just wave past them. So he just really dominates with his fastball, and major league hitters obviously are better at hitting great fastballs, right? Um, But we'll see if that happens. I would think he would be moved to the pen to play one of these, like, fireman roles, multi-inning guys as a really elite reliever since he's already 23 um, and he has the TJ on his record already, but maybe he will end up starting. I don't know. It's hard for me to predict the pitchers because, and I I know I'm the negative guy and I hate to say this because spring training is supposed to be an exciting time, but you just have to take a look at, you know, teams or organizations that have had just stacked pitching prospects and you just see what happens to them? Uh, Chicago had Giolito and Kopek and Cease and Lopez. Lopez has been ineffective. Giolito was terrible before riding the ship and becoming amazing. Kopek had TJ and Cease is, you know, kind of still finding his way. Uh, Atlanta had uh, Fulte, who they got from Houston, who's been struggling. Soraka, Soraka who's been great. Um, Colby Allard fell apart. They dealt him. Uh, Luis Gohara is not even in baseball right now. He was seen as like in a, you know, a pretty, at least a top 50, I think, prospect in baseball. Kyle Wright struggled. Um, Ian Anderson is still in the minors, but, uh, you know, Max, Max Fried had a good year last year, but he had struggles. Sean Newcomb has gone back and forth between the pen and the rotation. Uh, Tuki Tassan is a complete mess. So you're seeing these teams that had just batteries of arms, and, you know, injuries happen. You look at Oakland. Lazardo and Puck both had TJ. You look at Houston, where they had Martez and uh, Whitley and um, uh, CNL Perez 
and Bukakis, and Bukakis has t- got traded and got TJ. Whitley's had a bunch of injuries. Perez had TJ. So, you know what I mean? It, I know what you mean. And is. first and foremost, though, Robert, I don't know what it's going to take to change your tune on Scooble, but I think it's pretty much becoming commonplace, and maybe you disagree with this, that there is a lot more than just fastball there. And yeah, no, his seconders have supposedly been very good so far. It was and they're interesting. Overall, average, they're not terrible. They're it was, kind of flirt with average. The the interesting thing listening to him today, because we were all excited, mm-hmm. you know, now we get to see him against professional hitters. Right. <laughs> it was fun watching him mow down college kids, but um, we wanted to see him against professional hitters, and he, he was throwing, he, he was fluctuating his fastball from 93 to 98, and Price was saying it's the exact same motion. So he's got, he's got the ability to kind of. To, to tinker with his fastball a little, little bit with superb command, really. I mean, he, he'll walk you every now and then, but mostly he's executing his plan out there. He's throwing everything where he wants to throw it. Dickerson almost jumped out of his seat when he struck out Michael Chavis on a backfoot slider. He throws that backfoot slider to right-handers, mm-hmm. and uh, he makes people look like idiots. So uh, what's it going to take for you to say Scoobles a rotation piece? Going forward? Yeah. I think if I just see, see him in AAA doing it, huh? um, he may already be. I mean, I it's something where it's just kind of what I've been leaning on, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not my hill to die on. And I think he's going to be fantastic no matter what. I think he's going to have a great MLB career. I think right. uh, a lot of it is just kind of, you know, let's get him up and get him pitching now. You know, I mean, every pitcher only has so many pitches in their elbow, right? And he's already had a TJ, so the next one is probably game time. So um, part of it is just that, right? You know, this idea of instead of kind of waiting to see him uh, really work on the secondaries, just get him up and throwing uh, as a valuable, you know, piece of the uh, roster, the MLB roster right now. But, um, but yeah, no, he, he's been fantastic. And so I, I, I would not be surprised at all if he, you know, took the leap. And I've been seeing him behind Manning and Mize by a considerable amount, and now I'm starting to think he might actually, you know, get a little bit closer, if not even with them. Yeah. So of the seven guys that I mentioned, mm-hmm. um, you know, who is the one that you feel most confident remains a starter? Now, I, I would say there's there's three to throw in the mix here. That's Manning, Mize, and Wentz. Um, mm-hmm. I'll say Wentz because he's either he's probably starter or neither, right? He's he's not really a bullpen candidate, I don't think. Uh, you can you can interject and, mm-hmm. and disagree with me at any point, but uh, and then everybody else I think has some bullpen risk associated with them: Scooble, Fiedo, Perez, and Bros, yeah. like we talked about. Although I thought Fiedo looked pretty good the other oh, day. Oh, for sure, for sure. He was but, commanding his stuff much better, but he's still a two-pitch pitcher. That's kind of the issue. Correct, correct. There's still some bullpen risk. He could still end up in the bullpen. Yeah, there's Look, a lot of bullpen Like I said, risk. they can't all be in your starting rotation. They just can't. No. Yeah, it's not going to happen. They, they, if they all remain starters, then some of them have to go to other organizations. And mm-hmm. we know that there's going to be some fallout. So for the sake of neithers, uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to say I'm gonna say Perez, Wentz, and Burroughs are neither. Um and I love Joey Wentz, so I'm kind of betting against myself there. Yeah. And I and, and I love I love Franklin Perez too, but let's just 
let's just play the percentages yep. there. And, 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 for now. You know, the best predictor of injuries is uh, injury history. So uh, the probability tells me that some of, there's going to be some attrition here, and I'll just say Perez, Wentz, and Burrows are neither. I'll, I'll put I'll put Fiedo in the bullpen. Yeah. You know, I I don't know how useful he is as a reliever, but uh, for I the sake of this conversation, I'll throw him in the bullpen. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I saw one of his outings, and he was keeping the ball down, and I thought he looked – I've been thinking he was more middle reliever. Um Okay. You know, just because I think guys are going to hammer his fastball. But he was actually keeping it down and out of places where it can, you know, he can get hurt much better. Um, so, you know, I think it's going to be tough for him to start, really turn that lineup over. But I'm starting to feel a little bit more better about him being not just kind of like an up and down reliever, but someone who can stick in the pen and actually right. like, you know, give you good innings there. I mean, let's let's face it. He looks really good. Yeah, um, yeah. Physically, physically, he looks really good. He, he looks, looks a lot fit. better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, his his rotation or his rotation his his uh, delivery looks more athletic to me. Yeah. Um, yep. And we and we've talked about his his peripherals. His advanced metrics from last year were really good at Double A. So there's something going on with Fajardo. I like him. Um, and I wouldn't say Manning and Mize are completely without any type of bullpen risk. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess Manning more since he only has the two pitches. When do so you know, Brandon Day, who writes for uh, BYB, bless you boys, who's a great, who's great. You follow him on Twitter and read his pieces. He just did a big piece about Manning. We actually talked about it last year, mm-hmm. where you know him trying to develop a third pitch, right, um, or a fourth pitch in terms of getting a, a cutter or a slider. How? So I saw him, I've seen him a few times this spring. I don't think he's looked good, but unlike Burroughs, it's not like a worrisome look bad. You know what I mean? Like, he looks healthy, so it's just kind of like, you know, yeah. it's spring training, right? Yeah. But it really is important that he, if the changeup isn't going to be a weapon for him, he really needs probably a cutter, right? <laughs> I mean, I think... I think we've all kind of taken it for granted that he's going to just become this dominant player, but guys can hit the fastball. I've been so nervous about guys hitting Scooble's fastball, but, you know, he gets late movement on it, and just from, there must be some deception the way he throws it, you know what I mean? And the late movement from the spin rate is so good that he's just been mowing guys down. Manning, we saw a little bit in the Futures game, guys you know, can hit his fastball a little bit, um, or major league guys, I think. So I haven't been worried about him because he is a phenomenal athlete and he's made just massive strides. Um, but I'm not sure it's quite the slam dunk that he becomes stud rotation piece. You can see, I can kind of see him maybe struggling a little bit and ending up more at the back of the rotation as he tries to hammer out, you know, a third and fourth pitch. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you got we got to stop referencing the futures game, dude. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one inning right. of baseball. That's fair. It's one That's inning fair. of baseball. I mean, I thought, you know, Daniel Norris. I thought his stuff. I didn't see it today. I was just listening to the game, but I was like, oh, Daniel Norris popping ninety three, great. And then kaboom, Daniel Norris gives up an absolute bomb. Like that's baseball. Right. I like to know that Daniel Norris is throwing ninety three on March second. Um, anyway. Right. 
regarding Manning, the but he didn't. Give, but he didn't give up bombs in the future games. Guys just kept falling off the fastball. Yeah, but how how many how many batters did he face? Like we're talking extreme small sample size. One yeah, game, like six. Yeah, yeah, like six. So Manning, I guess. Yeah, they're gonna they're supposedly teaching him a slider. He's working on a slider or something like that. Is that know. gonna work from his arm angle? So- I I. I don't think so. I think his motion is so built for a cutter or a splitter, it's and it's obvious. Yeah, uh, cutter or splitter, cu- cutter obviously because he's he's so straight over the top. Like I think that thing will just dart in on a left hander, and it will be absolutely devastating. And it all, it, it, I don't think a cutter is that hard to throw, as Brandon uh-huh. has mentioned many many times. Uh, he throws it by accident sometimes. All, all yeah. it is is it's, it's a grip. I mean, you, you mm-hmm. keep your you keep your fingers together if you're right-handed on the on the on the right side of the seam, and uh, just your natural your natural motion when you throw over the top like Manning does will mm-hmm. cause that thing to spin a little bit, and it will it will take a left-hand turn <laughs> about halfway to home plate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm surprised that they have not worked with him more on that, or maybe he can maybe he can throw it, but he just can't command it at all. It, but it I can't it, see him sure. in the pen or Mize because Mize just has so many different pitches, right? So it seems it's hard to picture Mize in the pen. Again, I know this theoretical multi-inning role could exist, but it's hard to see constituted because even if Manning doesn't take, like let's say Manning stalls out where he is right now, he starts to struggle. I feel like he's still kind of like one of these guys who is at the back of a rotation and has some bad starts and throws some gems. You know what I mean? It's impossible for me to see him even right now being moved to the pen. Um, Mize? I'm sorry, Manning. Manning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, if we if we were slapping percentages on each of these guys, Manning and Mize would probably have the highest percentages of remaining a starter, but mm. not but not 100%. Like, there's still, like, like Mize could be moved to the pen just because if he can't, hold up over a full season. Those, yeah, yeah. You know, I think the biggest issue is health for those yeah. guys more than anything. Yeah. Like nobody has a hundred percent you know, starter viability. Um maybe Wentz. I mean Wentz is like I said, he's like all or nothing. I don't I can't imagine Yeah, uh, I can't see him in the bullpen. He could be a fastball change up guy, but like the fastball doesn't scare anybody, so No, that's my other concern. Well that's been my concern with Fiedo, right? You know, that Guys are just gonna just tee off on the heater. As much as I love the changeup, like I think a changeup is the best pitch in baseball. I think you have to be able to spin something. So yeah, you can't be just a fastball changeup guy. Wentz's curve is okay, and he has that. He's so big. Yeah, he's no, like you're six, right. Six four, six five. I feel like they could add velo. Yeah, I feel like it's just kind of a tough look for a hitter, a big lefty yeah. like that. I don't know. <laughs> it just, I don't know. I, yeah, I think my I think Wentz ends up kind of as a back end guy, but yeah, I, I don't really see a scenario outside of like a massive health issue that where Manning or Mize end up in the bullpen. And with Scooble, I don't see him in the bullpen as a negative because I think it would be like a let's let's max him out because I think he'd be phenomenal there. Because um, yeah, I, I think Manning even at this point is probably good enough to be in the back of a rotation, and that's kind of like my worst. You know, the worst case scenario for him is that, say, the changeup never takes a step forward. He never really nails down the cutter. You know, the curve kind of comes and goes, but for the most part, it's good. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he's still a, a back-end rotation piece, right? I think that, and that's, 
I mean, I know it would be a disappointment for everyone, but that's a valuable player to have, I think, so. Yeah, I mean, shoot. You could be looking at Matt Boyd, Michael Fulmer, Spencer Turnbull, Daniel Norris, maybe. I know. And then, uh, and then Matt Manning is your number five. Take that. It's just the health stuff. <laughs> you just worry about the health stuff. And who knows what's going to happen with Fulmer. I mean, he'll probably come back in August, right? Uh, yeah, I think it's July right now, they're saying, but yeah. Mm. yeah July, August. I know. I'm sure I sound negative about it, but I just am really like a at least with pitching, I just am nervous about projecting into the future, you know? It's hard for me to, with the health stuff, I just, plus I think these things are valuable. You know, I think just being a back-end rotation piece is something. I don't think that's, like, the worst thing in the world, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you want to close out with Hell in a Cell? (laughs) I I think that was just a joke. He says it's a Reddit thing. So our good, good friend, Adam Dubbin, asked, it was like, who would win Hell in a Cell between The Undertaker and Mick Foley right now? Mick Foley literally cannot put his own socks on. His wife has to do it because he's so mangled from being thrown Uh. off. He used to do death matches in Japan where it would be like parts of the ring would explode and he got thrown off like 30 feet in the air, the Hell in a Cell through a table. And The Undertaker is like, he's in like the wandering around you know, the tomato plants with the orange peel on his mouth stage of his career where he had a match with Goldberg in Saudi Arabia. So the prince of Saudi Arabia loves wrestling and and got WWE giving them like $50 million to do like four, three or four shows there a year. And so apparently he told Vince McMahon, like, you know, he's probably like in his 30s or 40s. So he said, all right, I've... For these shows, I want to see The Ultimate Warrior, Yokozuna, Undertaker, and Hulk Hogan. Vince was like, okay, half of those guys are dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he didn't realize Yokozuna was dead. He's been dead for like 20 years. And so they brought out Goldberg and Undertaker, and they had a match where they just dropped each other on their heads and concussed each other, and it was just brutal. And they had Goldberg win the title there like a week ago. They did Oof. another one a week ago. It's just an embarrassment. So we actually may see Undertaker and Mankind uh, in Saudi Arabia because they got to get that that sweet, sweet blood money from a murderous dictator. So, Wow. Look at yeah. you dropping knowledge. Yeah, I know a lot about pro wrestling <laughs> and minor league baseball. It's funny. Oh, I'm sure half my followers are like, hookers i always see like you have a new follower and i click on it and it's always like a hooker and it's like all i do is tweet about wrestling and minor league baseball why do i get so much oh that's why <laughs> they probably just scroll for the most pathetic twitter feeds imaginable and are just like oh look this guy probably needs hookers he just tweets about minor league baseball all day. what a loser <laughs> you're a mess man you are an absolute disaster i love it though. I what are you gonna do you love what you love Right? Yeah. The heart the heart wants what the heart wants, as Woody Allen once said <laughs> when he married this daughter. <laughs> Speaking of morally compromised people. Well, I mean, I don't know if we answered Zane's question. He had a loaded he had a lot to that question. He wanted us to project the twenty twenty. Same works with you. The same works for DYB, right? He's one of the writers, right? He does. He does. He's 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 my idol. He's uh just turned twenty three years old, I think, and he's already accomplished more in his life. I, I like these guys are great and they're so young. You know He's a 
He's the president of the Michigan Sabermetrics Club. Um, he's awesome. going back to grad school to get his ninth degree. He's oh, that's great. oh, he's also plays guitar and vocals in a band, and they're on Spotify and shit. Like, uh, you know, when I was twenty three, come on, uh, you don't even want to know. I can't even say it publicly. Yeah, um, no, me neither. <laughs> I think I slept in my car. Yeah, like bartended. So. But uh, look, I'm headed to Florida tomorrow, going to the Tigers-Twins game tomorrow in Fort Myers, then the Tigers-Red Sox on Wednesday, also in Fort Myers, and then I'll be in Lakeland for a couple days. Uh, so I'll be out on the backfields checking out the minor leaguers, hopefully get to see some Isaac Paredes. Haven't laid any eyes on him yet. Uh, but yeah, just excited to get back there again and uh, see Wenzel Perez and Jose De La Cruz, like all these guys we don't get to see even when the Tigers are on TV. It's ridiculous every single spring training game isn't televised, by the way. Like, it really pisses me off. Can you imagine uh-huh. if, 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 can you imagine if, you know, the New England Patriots' second preseason game wasn't televised in Boston? Right. Like, what would people in Boston do? But they would try it. Four, you know. Correct, no. but how hard is like Brandon was telling me he's like the cameras are everything's already set up just turn them on like right there's right. A, there's a market for this um, right but anyway I'll at least get to get out and see some baseball this week I'm really looking forward to getting down the warm weather anything I, else hey, you want to add a, yeah uh, if you have right. to choose one Mize Manning or Scooble who do you take oh my gosh uh. I almost want to say Scooble, don't you? Isn't that funny? I do. I do, yeah. I know. I know. I know. Just because Mize is such a, in, you know, that injury stuff just hangs like a cloud, man. Uh, yeah, I know. Oh, why do you, don't do that to me. It's not, it's like asking me to choose between my children. Which, I feel like I would say It's Manny probably harder than choosing between my children. <laughs> I feel like I would say Manning. Like right now, Manning is probably... If you were just to throw the three in a game, in a minor league game, a triple-A game, I feel like Manning would probably be the worst, but I would probably take him because he's just, like, the best athlete. He's the youngest, and he's just, like, he's made so many huge developments. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, he's just improved so much every year that it's hard to bet against him. His, His risk profile has been slashed. In half, like twice over the past two years. So Dude, like, I remember seeing him. Me and John Verber um, were were tweeting. I look, someone so someone thinks I'm an idiot on Twitter. No surprise. And they were retweeting stupid things I said. And we were talking about Manning. And I had seen him in West Michigan. He was such a mess. And I was just like, man, I don't know if the team is going to be able to iron this out. <laughs> like, you know, their track record isn't great at pumping out, you know, uh, good major league players and. He's just a mess, and he just like I mean, it's not even like two years later he's better. Within months, he had he came back the next year and had just taken huge leaps forward. So, you know, even kind of worrying about the changeup and worrying about having a fourth pitch, it's so hard to bet against him because he's just done so well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. So, who, so who would you take? Gun to my head, I'll take Manning. Um, my heart is Scooble and my head, my head is Manning. So. Who do you think has the most trade value? Probably also Manning. I don't, I don't yeah. know though. Scooble throws with his left arm. Like. Right, right. That's kind of a big deal. Right, right. How I much would, trade value do you think Casey Mize has? 
I have no idea. Uh, there's got to be somebody out there who loves him, I would think. I feel like he's great, but man. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's probably what? bad stuff for the podcast, just like strange silences and us just being like, yeah, dude, back and forth. But Well, would you trade for him? What would you give up for him? Right? Nothing Nothing that would be worth tra- for the Tigers. I mean, exactly. Look, so, like, people want us to deal a prospect for, um, you know, one of these pitching prospects or Boyd or Turnbull, like John Lumpkin, who's a guy, uh, you know, our one of my buddies on Twitter who I talk with all the time, he – He's big on – he wants Avila to trade Boyd or Turnbull, right, um, you know, to make way for the prospects. But the thing is, like, last year, Zach Gallen, who was, like, you know, in the middle of a three-war season over 15 starts, was, you know, in his rookie year, was dealt for Jazz Chisholm, right, who at the time was probably, like, a top 75 prospect, who's a shortstop, who's going to stick there defensively and has massive pop, Um and he's probably now at least a top 50 prospect. And I love Chisholm, but I, even I thought that was, like, wild, right? So, like, and that was a guy who was in MLB performing. Now, Gallon's, uh, you know, Gallon was seen as kind of a, almost a throw-in when he was traded to Miami. He, he doesn't have the pedigree that Manning or Mize has, right? But you got to figure if you're giving – you know, like the future value, if you're so Mize and Manning are probably future value 60, so that's like all star, maybe a tick below. Mm-hmm. You're only going to get a future value 50 back. You know what I mean? Like the bat is just because of the injury risk is going to be more valuable. So it just kind of doesn't make sense to trade Mize for Jamer was a future value 50, right? And Paredes is probably a future value 50. So trade Mize for Jamer. Like, now people wouldn't do that because Jamer has really struggled. But just for an average, everyday third baseman, is that worth it? Even with all their pitching prospects, I don't know. I don't think so. It's only, really... if you, only if you know something they don't know. <laughs> right. So. It's just they're in a tough spot. They're just in a tough spot because they would have to get back someone who isn't as good of a prospect, right? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. You know, once if they bring these guys up and they start to have success, then they're going to have a lot of value. But as long as they're in the minors, I think it's going to be really tough to to get a stud. People want to get a stud bat, but I don't think teams trade those. I don't think teams trade Keston Hira. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or Carter Keeboom, who's just like a stud bat. And Keeboom's probably behind Hira, right? Like just a stud bat waiting to come up and dominate. Like Kyle Tucker, you know? Jordan Alvarez. I don't think teams deal those guys. Because why would you? Kleber Torres, why would you trade that guy? He's about to come up and be a 5 war player for the next six years. No chance. So, Not for a prospect. Yeah. You trade that for a Verlander, maybe. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, man. I'd love to continue this. I really got a bolt. Appreciate your yeah, time yeah, yeah. today. Me this was too. a lot of fun, and uh, I'm sure I'll be talking to you soon. Yep. See ya. Come on.